This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Hey, happy St. Patrick's Day. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center clouds today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Chance small one of an afternoon shower, high 58. Tonight, overnight, cloudy, low 41. And the weekend looks like this. Saturday, mostly sunny, high 53. Sunday, sun and clouds, high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 44 and cloudy. So much to get to on this Friday morning. First of all, TGIF. And how great is it that St. Patrick's stays on Friday? The celebrations will be huge today, of course, because New York throws the biggest St. Patrick's Day party in the world. And if you haven't been out already this morning, it has started. Uh, I, you know, when I was driving in, just passing some of those establishments that are either closing or opening, I'm not really sure, but there were people already out having a good time. That was kind of fun to see. Got some people stumbling around the city. I imagine that will increase as the day wears on. And of course, we're going to have a huge St. Patrick's Day celebration right here on 77 WABC all day long. Reporters on the parade route later this morning. James Flippen will be there and uh, lots of great guests talking about Irish heritage and St. Patrick's Day itself. So make sure you're tuned to hear 77 WABC all day long. All right, let's get into some of the headlines. The top five at five. Yeah, and the big one is New York City getting ready for the world's biggest St. Patrick's Day. The Chinese and Russians are getting together. Should we be worried? The fallout continues from that fentanyl poisoning in Hackensack. A Queens lawmaker being asked to step down. And another man locked up for years here in New York only to be freed because, you know, they had the wrong guy. WABC News Time 502. Let's get into it. This is breaking news overnight. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
Chinese leader Xi Jinping, who's going to visit Russia next week at the invitation of President Vladimir Putin. It'll be Xi's first visit to Moscow since Putin launched his devastating invasion of Ukraine more than a year ago. During the visit, the two leaders, they say, will discuss strategic cooperation between the two countries. This, according to the Kremlin, the visit comes as China tries to present itself as a neutral peace broker on Ukraine. The two leaders, by the way, they had a virtual meeting back in December in which the Russian leader described relations between the two nations as the best in history, saying they could withstand all tests. So are we on the verge of a new superpower between these two nations, us, the world? Uh, It all starts to feel unbalanced and unraveled. And so one of the questions we asked you out on the streets, when you hear about something like this, are you worried about World War III? Putin is like a a cornered rat in a way. He's not very um, sensible. I don't think he kind of cares. But... You know, hopefully there's someone there who will talk some sense into him. I think a wider conflict's very possible. Yes, I do. It's very disturbing. I know. <laughs> Terrible. Very. Terrible. I mean, I can't imagine, like, all right, would Putin, war, they want to kill their own families and all they that? They don't would... care. Human life is a different thing in but even, Russia. Even, they, their they, own, they even their own families? They've thrown 200,000 people into the meat grinder, and that's that's just the beginning. Do you think a World War III is possible in your mind? If the United States continue their actions, yes, there will be a, a World War III. So you think it's, it could be a possibility? Definitely. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Everybody on the street saying, yeah, they think something's going to happen. Now these two world leaders coming together. It'd be interesting to see what happens during that summer. Of course, we'll cover it right here, 77 WABC. All right, let's bring it back home. Something much more pleasant, something much more exciting at 504 is St. Patrick's Day, and New York will throw the biggest party in the world later this morning. WABC's Alex Barnard is here with uh, all the details live. Good morning and happy St. Patrick's Day, Alex. And a top of the morning to you, Noam. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Mayor Adams, he's getting ready for his second St. Patrick's Day parade as mayor. He will be Irish in spirit, donning a sash presented to him by the parade's Grand Marshal, Kevin Conway, at a flag ceremony in Lower Manhattan yesterday. And as long as I'm the mayor of the city of New York, I'm going to be here to raise and celebrate the greatness of the Irish community and all of our communities. Mayor Adams also noted how Irish communities have contributed to New York City's history. Building the Brooklyn Bridge, our subway system, joining our police forces and other civil servants, going through some of the difficult challenges of coming, being a new arrival here in America like so many other ethnic groups. Have a great, safe St. Patrick's Day. See you at the parade. Spectators can line Fifth Avenue as early as they want, but should know that porta-potties will not line the route. Those traveling into the city should also remember that Metro North or the Long Island Railroads have already imposed an alcohol ban on trains. It went into effect just about six minutes ago. Yeah, they take away all the fun. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I guess it's for safety reasons. But, yeah, why not? Come on. It's the one day of the year that you you really can go all crazy on the trains. You know, Alex, there was a day, this is long uh, before, years ago, where there was a bar cars on these trains, which made the commute. Yes. 
which made the commute a whole lot more more exciting, especially on a Friday. You'd sit in that bar car and have a drink on the way home. There was probably nothing better, but that's gone. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like it was the it was the best time to be riding those trains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to uh, Hackensack, New Jersey. A story we were reporting to you yesterday. These uh, five women at a mall, Riverside Park Mall. This is in Hackensack. They overdose on fentanyl. The police are releasing some more details about what happened and how frightening this was. These five women found in the parking garage of this mall. They all work at the mall, so the assumption is either their co-workers or know each other from the shops at Riverside. That's the official name of the mall. And um, police talking about what they've seen, some more eyewitnesses coming forward. They're trying to trace where this fentanyl came from. Were they doing coke? What kind of drugs? Still not giving us that detail yet, but here, more eyewitnesses speaking out today. She heard what happened and she saw it. And Well, I should tell you, this is a woman who said... Uh, uh, she found uh, she was one of the people that found these five women uh, on the ground in the parking garage. And she watched as a woman who said she was a nurse ran over to revive these women. She heard what happened and she saw it and she ran out to perform CPR on all of them. And she was really good. Yeah, thank God there was a lot of people around who seemed to know CPR uh, to save these women. The women range in age 29 to 41. The uh, fentanyl issue, of course, is just huge. We're hearing a story, it seems, every single day. Someone ODing, people dying from this. Uh, lots of time, of course, they don't know their drugs have been cut with fentanyl. That's probably the case here. Uh, police in Hackensack, uh, prosecutors in Bergen County say they sing these cases all the time. This is not something that uh, these officers haven't been to before. And we are equipped with Narcan, and we know how to use it. And uh, they did what they were taught to do, and they saved the life along with these uh, civilians that were on scene. We're seeing this all over the country. Um, you know, we talk about this as overdoses, but I think we're seeing a lot, to your point, it's more about poisoning. Uh, a lot of the folks that are victims to this don't know exactly what they're taking. Yeah, these women awfully lucky that uh, there were lots of people around to save them in that mall parking lot. There is no word on potential criminal charges, but investigators confirming that a criminal investigation is now underway. The banking system sound. At least that's what the Treasury Secretary is telling us. And Americans, she said, should feel confident their deposits are safe. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen speaking to lawmakers before a Senate committee yesterday. This week, the government took decisive and forceful actions to stabilize and strengthen public confidence in our financial system. Her remarks come after, of course, those recent bank failures. The government taking action to ensure customers of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank here in the city, were able to access their funds. Yellen emphasizing no taxpayer money was used to pay off those people who are getting their money back. Shareholders and debt holders are not being protected by the government. Importantly, no taxpayer money is being used or put at risk with this action. Okay, and this is what the Treasury Secretary said about other banks. We're hearing about some other potential failures, but she's telling us the banking system's healthy. Our banking system is sound and that Americans can feel confident that their deposits will be there when they need them. So meanwhile, as she spoke, uh, she was, you know, got pushback, of course, from lawmakers, Republicans and Democrats alike. One of the most important steps is to make sure there are no questions 
about the full faith and credit of the United States. No. I'm concerned about the precedent of guaranteeing all deposits and the market expectation moving forward. One more. Inflation played a key role in the recent bank failures as rising interest rates and mismanaged interest rate risk led to a liquidity crisis. And then, of course, we're hearing about other banks that are close to failure or might be on the verge of it. Uh, San Francisco-based First Republic Bank reportedly considering a sale after a credit rating cut and its stock plunged yesterday. Uh, NBC's Contessa Brewer says it's yet another U.S. mid-sized bank in trouble due to a common issue. Really over these issues about whether there was a mismatch in assets and liabilities. So the Wall Street Journal reporting this morning that some U.S. banks have been in talk to provide aid to First Republic. This comes after, of course, the two other failures last week. Contessa Brewer explains the problems with the San Francisco-based Midside Bank that's in trouble. First Republic Bank had the third highest a rate of uninsured deposits, people who had their money in here, but it was more than $250,000 covered uh, generally by the FDIC. Yes, it sounds like mismanagement there, but sounds like they are going to be rescued. 514, now let's bring it back home. A 16-year-old shot near a playground in the Bronx yesterday. This was, of course, on just a beautiful day. Lots of kids out. The bullets flying outside an elementary school near East 140th Street, Alexander Avenue, Haven. It was about 4.30. It was like 3, 4. They sounded like firecrackers at first, but I heard it was gunshots. Actually running, ducking. Scared. They were scared because it was gunshots, of course. They feared for their life. These eyewitnesses say two gunmen showed up. They shot a teenager who was near the playground. He took a bullet to his buttocks. The victim taken to Harlem Hospital, where he's expected to survive. The shooting, of course, comes amid a violent week for city schools on Tuesday, right? We had those three gang-related shootings in Upper Manhattan that shook students, prompted police to increase its presence across Manhattan. And then the shooting yesterday near this playground, it has New Yorkers asking lots of questions. It's just ridiculous. It's like, why are you going to do something that, that extreme and stuff like that? So it's just out of hand. It's getting out of hand. The NYPD got to do something about it. The teenager hit yesterday going to make a full recovery was the, the intended target. Target of that gunman, police are not saying. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Noam Laden. Happy Friday. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm right back at, at you. A, staring at a big Irishman in uh, Lou Rufino over here. What's going on, Lou? How's it going? Ah, bigora, Justin Ellick. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's celebrating the big day. <laughs> on the ice Whatever. here. Yeah, on the ice here, Noam. The Rangers got their revenge on the Pittsburgh Penguins at the Garden, besting them 4-2 to two just a few nights after that Sunday night overtime loss in Pittsburgh tied at two with just under 10 minutes remaining in regulation. Chris Kreider parked himself in front of the net and cleaned up an Adam Fox rebound for the tie breaker. Of the goaltender Tristan Jari might have hit him in the side of the head also. That was Patrick Kane. Kane trying to surprise him from that sharp angle. Fox shot blocked.
That call courtesy of MSG. Uh, Deja vu tonight as the Blue Shirts and Pens will do it all over again at the Garden. Puck drop is scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Devils were in action at home as well, albeit losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of 4-3 to three in a shootout. They'll look to see if they can uh, can get back on track come tomorrow night in Florida against the Panthers. The Nets lose 101-96 to at home to the Sacramento Kings. Macau Bridges led Brooklyn's box score in scoring once again with his 23 points, while Spencer Dinwiddie registered 18 and route to the loss. The Nets are now one and a half games behind your New York Knicks for fifth place in the Eastern Conference and just one and a half games ahead of seventh place Miami as they try to avoid the play-in tournament. Brooklyn will be back in action come Sunday when they're set to host the Denver Nuggets. And there was no shortage of madness on day one of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. 13th seed Furman over 4 seed Virginia by a score of 68 to 67 was the first stunner of the day, followed by an even bigger upset in 15 seed Princeton's 59 to 55 win over 2 seed Arizona. 16 more games to look forward to today, including no late in 16 seed FDU taking on 1 seed FDU. Purdue. How about that? Tonight at 6:50 p.m. Eastern Time, Nome. Action begins this afternoon at 12:15 p.m. between 10 seed USC and 7 seed Michigan State. And the New York Football Giants yesterday bulked up their receiving core by signing Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton. Campbell joins the Giants from the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year deal. That can be worth up to $6.7 million. And uh, Slayton returns on a two-year $12 million deal uh, with a maximum value of $16.5 million. And terrible, terrible news. Uh, Metzland closer Edwin Diaz has a torn patellar tendon and is expected to miss the entire season after injuring his right knee while celebrating a victory in the World Baseball Classic. The Mets uh, said last night that Diaz underwent surgery earlier in the day and is expected to begin a formal rehab program in about a week. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. So much more to get to on this Friday morning as we work our way up to 6 o'clock and sit in friends in the morning. A Queens lawmaker being asked to step down. We'll tell you why. And another man locked up for years only to be freed because he was the wrong guy. That story's and more coming up. But first, right now, a check of Wall Street. Here's Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Investors trying to close out the week on a high note. Regional banks pushed the Dow up more than 300 points yesterday. First Republic leading the way up 10% at the close. Nearly a dozen banks depositing $30 billion to rescue First Republic. FedEx shares up 7% and after hours trading, revenue slumped last quarter, but profits beat Wall Street targets. Crude oil futures down about 9% for the week. Crude oil bouncing back slightly yesterday, up a percent. Broader market concerns still weighing on oil. Microsoft shares climbing this week up 4%, nearly 9% since Monday. Microsoft joining the artificial intelligence race announcing an AI office co-pilot, a direct challenge to Google. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. It is, of course, St. Patrick's Day. President Biden will host the Prime Minister of Ireland on the St. Patrick's Day. For a bilateral meeting and St. Patrick's Day celebration, continuing a long-standing St. Patrick's Day tradition here at the White House. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there says leaders expected to discuss their shared commitment to continuing support for Ukraine in its war against Russia. I imagine they will raise a pint as well. The President will meet with uh, Tushuk for a bilateral meeting. And in the evening, the president and Tushuk will return for the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock presentation ceremony and reception. 
All right, let's go out to uh, Queens. Governor Kathy Hochul, the latest leader, calling for the resignation of Queens Democratic Assemblyman Juan Ardila over an alleged eight-year-old scandal that recently came to light. Ardila was elected to a term that began on January 1st, has apologized for his actions as he takes full responsibility. Here's what he's accused of. Making unwanted sexual advances on two women at a party of Fordham University students and alumni. This was eight years ago. He's accused of pulling one of the women into a bathroom and exposing himself. The accusations were reported by the Queen's Chronicle and the Queen's Daily Eagle. So he hasn't officially admitted to that, but he says he had did do something wrong eight years ago. So Governor Hochul yesterday uh, says as a result of the sex scandal, she's calling on the lawmaker to step down. I condemn all forms of sexual assaults. It is intolerable and unacceptable what he did. I support the survivors and their call for accountability. And yes, he should resign. Of course, Kathy Hochul came to become governor because of a sex scandal involving uh, Andrew Cuomo. The governor joining a bevy of Queens politicians, including Senate Deputy Majority Leader uh, Michael Gennaris, and calling for Ardila to step down. Ardila again apologizing on Twitter last night, saying he makes no excuse for his past behaviors and has spent a great deal of time uh, reflecting on it. But so far, he does not say he will step down. While we're talking about Governor Hochul, she's making the case for her $1 billion mental health proposal in her upcoming budget. She spoke about talking with teenagers about the challenges they have accessing mental health service. Many saying there's not enough school guidance counselors. We have to give them more support. We need more services in our schools full stop. And that's how we start dealing with young people before they get to a point where they need a lifetime of care. Hochul already has proposed uh, $30 million to expand school-based services and another $10 million for suicide prevention. And I can tell you from talking to people who do this kind of work, they say they are overwhelmed like they never have been before. All of it post-pandemic. They say they can't handle the amount of students who are coming to their uh, side for help. And uh, so maybe this is a good thing. Getting me thinking about things differently, getting the adults think about things from the perspective of the young people, the people we're trying to help. Yeah, Hochul was hanging out with some high school teenagers yesterday, asking them, you know, do you see the mental health issues in your school? It's hard enough being a teenager when you finally decide you need the help, but then you're supposed to go wait and wait and wait and wait for someone to finally give you attention. All right. So I imagine there'll be people who argue that the money doesn't need to be spent there. But I can just tell you from what I've heard anyway, is that these guidance counselors, these social workers, these therapists who work with Teenagers say they cannot handle the amount of people reaching out for them for appointments. WABC Newstime 525. Of course, it has been, what, the three-year anniversary of the beginning of the COVID virus was a little earlier this week. Some city restaurants, of course, who were shuttered and then created those sheds say they still are trying to come back from all of that. Andrew Riggi, of course, he's the New York City Hospitality Alliance Executive Director. He says, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day is going to help that just a little bit. We didn't know if that was going to be days, weeks. People went into panic. And within a couple of weeks, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the restaurant industry lost their jobs. He's talking about COVID there. Richie notes that uh, New York restaurants are still paying back hefty loans since roughly 65 percent did not qualify for that federal 
coronavirus aid. So he's encouraging all New Yorkers to support the industry, you know, going out today, getting a green beer, sitting down having some corned beef and cabbage, you know, spend some real cash in the restaurant and make sure you give your wait staff a lot of cash as well. In addition to the financial crisis, we were front and center in the public health crisis and we were an essential service. You know, we were getting food delivered to people. He's absolutely right about it. I, mean, I think I'm going to hit that uh, Grubhub app when we were locked down at home and that meal would be there on your stoop, your porch, whatever. And in no time, it was those people who, at the time anyway, were probably putting themselves at some risk. So Ridgie says today and going forward is a time to pay it forward. But we have to understand that just because we start seeing busy restaurants and bars doesn't equate to the industry as a whole fully recovering that's going to take some time yeah so big day of course for those restaurants let's hope they have a great day it's gonna be beautiful outside so you can only imagine they will just getting started on this friday morning so much more to get to as we work our way up to sit in friends in the morning at six o'clock an 18 year old on long island says her teacher is a racist and she has proof a man watching a classical concert at carnegie hall goes into cardiac arrest but his life is saved by someone and um everywhere you go you see tons of scaffolding that seems to go up but then never come back down now a bill putting out by city council might change that a little bit anyway we'll get into those stories and more but first right now wabc news times 529 the 77 wabc news hour talking the news with noah laden on 77 wabc Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with that, Noah Layden. Oops, sorry to step on you there, Chris. WABC News Time 531. Good morning. It is Friday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds today. Chance of an afternoon shower, but actually it's going to be a nice day. Don't get worried. High 58 will be great for the parade. Tonight, overnight cloudy, low 41. And then your weekend looks like this. Saturday mostly sunny high 53 sunday sun and clouds high 44 if you're walking out the door with us right now it is already 44 and cloudy how about this uh, brooklyn man he served 20 years in prison for a murder he did not commit i feel like we do a story like this almost every single week and it tends to always be a local guy. In this case, his name is Emil McDowell. He's now a free man after the Brooklyn DA, Eric Gonzalez, filed a motion to vacate the murder conviction that put him in jail for 19 years because they say he was the wrong guy. So he was at a high school senior when he was convicted of killing a man at a party in Bed-Stuy in a community center. This goes all the way back to 1990. He sat in jail knowing he did not commit this crime, but he said he knew this day would come when he would be freed. Just because I took a plea didn't mean I did it. I wouldn't have been surprised if I would have spent my life in prison. So I had to do what was best for me at that point um, and just move on. So he's out of jail because the Brooklyn's DA's conviction review unit reinvestigated the case shortly after and found enough evidence to prove that McDowell was not the gunman. They say evidence pointed to McDowell's friend and that police did not properly investigate the case. So yesterday he went before a judge. Judge vacated the case. McDowell walked out of the courtroom after all those years in prison, a free man. Now, 
I would be awfully bitter, but he does not sound bitter. It was a lot of prayer and believing that at some point it would have to be corrected. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I had to stick with it. And what's so interesting is he says uh, he had a lot of time to sort of reflect on his life while he was behind bars. And he says now he wants to go to law school. 533, an Oklahoma man pled guilty to a killing spree that involved him cutting out a woman's heart and trying to serve it to his aunt and uncle. I mean, this guy's a real sicko. As part of the plea agreement, Grady County District Attorney Jason Hicks says the punishment for Lawrence Anderson can never be modified. That's done to ensure that there is never... Uh, an opportunity for him to be released. Anderson received five life sentences. So he's never getting out. And he killed a woman in 2021, cut out her heart, cooked it, attempted to feed it to his aunt and uncle before killing his uncle and his four-year-old granddaughter and injuring his aunt. As part of the agreement, Anderson agreed to stay quiet to prevent him from becoming a celebrity for the crimes because they're real sick crimes and there's lots of people who like to hear these stories. So he can never benefit it. Not that he'd be able to spend the money anyway because he's going to be behind bars for the rest of his life. I don't want him on television. I don't want him writing a book. I don't want him to financially profit from any of this and he won't let's bring it back home new york city expanding its discounted ferry program now to high school students council member amanda farias sponsoring the bill that had major support by students who attend harbor school on governor's island many of my colleagues and i know the struggle of commuting when you're just a kid who's trying to get to and from school on time Thank you to everyone for helping me lessen the struggle and for prioritizing the needs of our public school students. City Council approving the legislation that would reduce the cost of a ferry ride for high school students from $4 to $1.35. The discounted rides will start next year. I have some very exciting news. Okay, cheesy. New Jersey Transit and Rutgers University partnering to form a training center for public transportation service jobs. New Jersey Transit just having a hard time finding people to come work for them. So they're doing this partnership with Rutgers, hoping they can grab some of those college grads. President Kevin Corbett says transit agencies from around the nation will come for training. This is the first ever North American Regional Training Center. Uh, and, uh, you know, it will be uh, housed here with uh, Rutgers Kate and with uh, UITP's uh, leadership. So Governor Murphy says uh, this will mean New Jersey will earn worldwide recognition as a North American transit transportation hub, but it'll also be a place to grab some of the future transportation officials right here while they are in New Jersey. WABC News Time 535, out to Long Island, 18-year-old Isabel Lamore describing how the last six months at Center Reach High have made her feel little. She says this is after a math teacher allegedly dress-coded her for wearing certain clothing, yet the teacher said nothing to her white classmates who were wearing the exact same thing. Like four other girls that were white, and nothing was said to them, but it was said to me. And they were wearing the same thing? Yeah. So the racism apparently from this teacher even more blatant and hurtful. This according to Isabella Moore, who says she had been out sick, and when she returned to class, this teacher really leaned in on her. She realized that I was there, 
and she just seemed upset about it and made the comment that she can't believe that these black kids are always absent. So she said the pattern of bullying continued once Moore tried to speak to the teacher. She pursued a complaint through the state law that's called DASA, which is the Dignity for All Students Act meant to battle bullies' behavior. She said she filed with that, too. It made me feel little. I didn't... Like, it was just upsetting. Like, it was very, um, I felt like all, everyone's eyes were on me. The school's own internal investigation found that the teacher was in violation of school policy. And each and every one of the times the student alleges, yet the teacher, uh, all the allegations that say that that this student made, the school found, were accurate. But somehow this teacher is still in the classroom today. So she's lawyered up, and this lawyer demanding this teacher be forced out. She also said about Bella. If you dress like a slut and I call you out for being a slut, I guess that makes me a racist. And we're asking today that the district immediately suspend this teacher. And they're also filing a multi-million dollar lawsuit that uh, says we'll get rid of this bully teacher um, who they say shouldn't be in the classroom for all she's done to Isabella and some other students in the school. WABC News Time coming up on 540 in the U.K. A number of corporations over the last year went to a four-day work week to see if it would work. So you'd have a three-day weekend, which sounds awfully sweet. And they found that it works. And so some of these, they were doing a trial thing, and they said, if this works, then we're going to keep it. And so some of these corporations have kept it. It's a four-day week. So now uh, it is coming this way. Uh, I know my brother out in uh, – one of my brothers out in Los Angeles, they tried a four-day week where he works – And then they pulled it away. So for whatever reason, they didn't think it worked there. But obviously the idea is a longer day during those four days, Monday through Thursday, and then you have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. And so uh, we use that as our question of the day. Would you like to see your corporation, your company, go to a four-day week? Would you want to see that? Some people are just going to waste the extra day. They'd rather be working. I was one of those when I was working. I don't know. It, it, it sounds pretty radical to an American, I think. I think back in the day, going back to my parents' day, you worked five and a half days. Saturday was always a half a day, right, actually? Well, I grew up on a farm, so it was it was more like six and a half days. Do you think that could work here? Would you be in favor of that? Well, actually, I'm from Sweden, and it will work there as well. So, yes, I think as long as you get the job done, why do you need to sit your eight hours or however many hours you have? I think that that is a super great idea. I mean, as long as you get the job done, that's perfect. Would you prefer four or five days a week? Zero. Some people say, well, yeah, but then the U.S. become less productive. Do you believe in that? I think we are already less productive, and I love it. I don't think we can get less productive than we already are. <laughs> I think we can get less productive than we already are. Okay, there you go. Uh, well, look, you never thought we'd go to a four-day week week. Did you ever think that people would be allowed to work from home? That would have seemed radical three years ago, so maybe this will catch on. The Biden administration threatening a nationwide ban on TikTok if the Chinese-owned app is not sold. Uh, NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Kristen Welker says this marks a dramatic shift in the administration's policy towards the popular app. NBC News has confirmed from a source close to TikTok that the administration is demanding the company's Chinese owners ByteDance sell their stake in the social media giant. So I'm one of the 100 million Americans that are on TikTok. I love it. There's concern, though, that the company harvests and supplies sensitive data on U.S. users to the Chinese government. 
government. And that's why they've told government officials who have TikTok on their devices to wipe them clean. They're afraid we're sharing too much information. More from Kristen Walker. Some Republican sources texted me actually overnight saying this is the right move. But they also accuse the president of making this shift with the 2024 election looming large. WABC News Time 542. About 1,200 tiny homes will be built in California under a proposal unveiled by California Governor Gavin Newsom. He says the tiny homes are just one part of an overall plan which will cut the number of homeless people in the state, he says, by 15% in two years. Have you seen these tiny homes? I mean, they're really tiny, but maybe this is a solution to the homeless problem, at least in California. We're going to be putting out $1 billion of awards by the end of this calendar month to the cities and counties to put those dollars to work to make real the commitments they've made in these plans. Yeah, they don't take up a lot of land because, well, they're tiny. And the places they'll go up were the places in California where they are most needed. The Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, L.A., San Diego, lots of homeless encampments in all three of those cities. No one's naive. It's not just about sweeping things under the rug or kicking people off the streets and sidewalks and claiming a job well done. That doesn't do Governor Newsom, Governor Newsom uh, says, you know, his government, uh, state government, leads the nation in trying to find fixes for the homeless. I think there'd probably be a lot of people who might argue that. The cynics be damned. We're not here announcing this is the entire package or strategy. So often people look optically and these announcements without considering the totality. I think it's awfully interesting. Why not try that? Tiny homes, get people, homeless people in tiny homes, set them up. See how it works. At least you get them off the streets, uh, help them out. But most people probably think that's okay. 544, how often do you see scaffolding go up in your neighborhood and then it just is there forever? It becomes just normal, right? You walk through it and you're like, don't even think, hey, there hasn't been construction done on this building in forever. So now City Councilman Keith Powers is pushing a bill that would create scaffolding timelines that would, among other things, dictate that the Iron Street long sheds will be taken down if construction has stopped. I mean, how many times you walk through these things? They haven't done construction, it feels like, in years. We'll create new timelines for the removal of scaffolding if no act of construction is taking place over an extended period of time. It is causing a blight on our neighborhoods. It's becoming unsafe spaces. And it's hurting small businesses that are buried under, underneath it. And I've always told you over the years that if you can possibly help it, don't walk underneath those construction sheds, those scaffolding, because I can't tell you how many times... Uh, over the course of the week, I get a report of a piece of that thing falling on somebody. So if you see something coming to scaffolding, cross the street to the other side. I, I mean, I, I could do a whole hour, probably an hour a week about accidents happening under scaffolding. Anyway, this package of bills would also allow drone inspections to help property owners speed up the removal of scaffolding so they could see what's going on under all of that scaffolding. 5.45 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thanks, Gnome. Start on the ice here. Rangers got their revenge on the Pittsburgh Penguins at the Garden, besting them 4-2 to two just a few nights after that Sunday night overtime loss in Pittsburgh. Tied to two, just under 10 minutes remaining in regulation. Chris Kreider parked himself right in front of the net and cleaned up an Adam Fox rebound for the tiebreaker. Of the goaltender, Tristan Jari. Might have hit him in the side of the head also. That was Patrick Kane. Kane trying to surprise him from that sharp angle. Fox shot.
Deja vu tonight as the Blue Shirts and Pens will do it all over again at the Garden. Puck drop is scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Devils were in action at home as well, albeit losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of 4-3 to in a shootout. They'll see if they can get back on track. Come tomorrow night in Florida against the Panthers. On the hardwood, the Nets lose 101-96 to at home to the Sacramento Kings. Brooklyn will be back in action come Sunday when they're set to host the Denver Nuggets. And yesterday there was no shortage of madness on day one of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. 13-seed Furman over 4-seed Virginia by a score of 68-67 to was the first stunner of the day, followed by an even bigger upset in 15-seed Princeton's 59-55 win over 2-seed Arizona. 16 more games to look forward to today, including Nome Lid and 16-seed FDU taking on 1-seed Purdue tonight at 6.50 p.m. Eastern Time. Action begins this afternoon at 12.15 p.m. between 10-seed USC and 7-seed Michigan State. Uh, and the New York Football Giants booked up their receiving core yesterday by signing Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton. Slayton returns on a two-year, $12 million deal for the maximum value of $16.5 million. The source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. And New York Mets closer Edwin Diaz has a torn patellar tendon and is expected to miss the entire season after injuring his right knee while celebrating a victory in the World Baseball Classic. Be gone, the Mets gone. <laughs> said Thursday <laughs> night. I had a finger in my mouth there, Noam. Okay? I saw. But uh, uh, moral of the story is there, Edwin Diaz. As, uh, he tore his uh, patellar uh, tendon thing, and now he's out for the season. But, so. Porto, but Alex, Puerto Rico won. Yeah, but yeah, but Puerto Rico won. They did good win. point. Good point. Yeah. They won. They move on. Yeah, uh, some celebration that was. Everybody jumping up and down, right into tears. My God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justin Alec with sports. All right, let's get you up on uh, some of the big stories of the morning. This happening overnight. Chinese leader Xi Jinping will visit Russia next week at the invitation of President Vladimir Putin. It'll be Xi's first visit to Moscow since Putin launched his devastating invasion of Ukraine more than a year ago. During the visit, Xi and Putin will apparently discuss strategic cooperation between the two countries. This all coming from the Kremlin this morning. The visit comes as China tries to present itself as a neutral peace broker on Ukraine. Uh, Putin and Xi last held a virtual meeting. This was back in December, in which the Russian leader described relations between the two nations as the best in history. Not exactly clear when this meeting will happen, but it apparently is going to happen soon. And let's bring it back home to New York City. Of course, just a huge day as we were talking about New York City gearing up for St. Patrick's Day. Mayor Adams holding a St. Patrick's Day press conference. Uh, he'll be Irish, he says, in spirit. Uh, he'll have a sash. He'll walk up Fifth Avenue during the parade later today. And as long as I'm the mayor of the city of New York, I'm going to be here to raise and celebrate the greatness of the Irish community and all of our communities. People are already out at this early hour. The parade doesn't start till 11, but spectators can line Fifth Avenue as early as they want to. Uh, the warning from the city is there's no porta potties. I don't remember there ever being porta potties, but anyway, uh, Metro North Long Island Railroad will impose the uh, alcohol ban on trains starting at 5 a.m. this morning. Have a great, safe St. Patrick Day. See you at the parade. Mayor Adams noting how the Irish communities have contributed in a huge way to New York City in the past and even today. Building the Brooklyn Bridge, our subway system, joining our police forces and other civil servants, going through some of the difficult challenges of coming, being a new arrival here in America like so many other ethnic groups. All right, the big parade, of course, again, stepping off on Fifth Avenue, 11 o'clock this morning. And right here, 77 WABC, will be celebrating St. Patrick's Day with you the entire day. WABC News Time 553, State Senate 
proposing New York City residents pay for residential parking permits in an effort to raise money for the cash-strapped MTA. Told you a little bit about the story yesterday. So the idea is if you have a car in the city and you want to park it on the street, it would cost you $30 and probably you'd get a sticker that would go in your car that would show that you'd paid that $30 fee a month, by the way, 30 bucks a month. It would not guarantee you a parking space. It would just be that you could park without getting a ticket. So we went to the streets to see what you think about that. You might guess how people are reacting. Are you guaranteeing me a parking space? No. <laughs> Forget it. This is just another ripoff. Could be one more reason that people want to leave the city. It's going to raise money for the MTA, which is needed. So, okay, there's one guy in there who seems to be okay with it. $440 million, that's an estimate of what they would raise uh, a year from charging 30 bucks a month for people to park in the city. People with uh, sort of more limited incomes that are really going to maybe be squeezed by this. They register them out of the city for cheaper insurance rates and all that, but they'll be trying to park here. Who's going to enforce that? Yeah, so who, here's the rub on this story is, in the end, if this bill were to even go through in the state Senate, they would leave it up to the New York City city council to decide which neighborhoods they would impose this on so that would get awfully interesting i don't i don't think any of this is happening by the way they're trying to figure out another way around uh, congestion pricing because they think they might fail at that that and they think maybe this is what they can do to raise money for the cash-strapped mta by charging people who own a car 30 bucks a month to park in the city but not get a guaranteed spot 554 in the middle of a concert at carnegie hall the man's watching a classical concert. His name is Ting Chao Chu. And he starts slumping in his chair at this classical concert at Carnegie Hall. And the guy next to him, I mean, how lucky is this, happens to be a doctor at Lenox Hill. And he sees him slumping and says something's going on with him. So he starts performing CPR on him. This is middle of this concert. He saved this guy's life. So yesterday... The two finally met, and Ting Chao Chu could not have been happier to meet the guy who saved his life. Hero saved my life because, uh, because uh, no waiting. The emergency arrived, almost a doctor and the nurse waiting there. By some strange circumstance, with all the seats in Carnegie Hall, that I'm in the next, the immediately next seat. Yeah, good for you saving a life there at Carnegie Hall. Okay. What are you going to do this weekend? Surf on over to WABCRadio.com. We have some great ideas of things to do this weekend. One of the things is to sit down and watch a movie. And Joe Malisi, our movie reviewer, our movie critic, our movie maven, our movie freak, is looking at the movie Luther, the Fallen Son. Today we're taking a look at Luther, the Fallen Son. This movie is based on a BBC show, but honestly, even though I haven't seen it, it was still a pretty well-made action film. It reminded me of watching a James Bond movie out of order. There were some moments that I knew were tied to Easter eggs, but overall it didn't really take away too much from the experience. I think it could have done more to earn its R rating. There was some graphic moments in the beginning, but it definitely mellowed out near the middle, and I thought a lot of the VFX were a little rough. This movie just came out on Netflix, so if you are a fan of cop thrillers or Idris Elba or steering wheels on the opposite side of the car, this is definitely a solid pick. From 77 WABC, I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. So you can see Joe Malisi and some moments from all of his movies if you go over to WABCRadio.com. It's right there on the front page. If you're looking for a movie that he's reviewed, there's tons of them that he has. You can watch them over there and see his take on the movie and whether it's worth watching.
We are just a minute away from sit-in friends in the morning, the Friday edition. Let's find out what's coming up on the big show today from Justin Ellick. Thanks, Gnome. Just about a minute out here from your Friday edition, your St. Paddy's Day edition of the sit and friends in the morning program bottom of each hour you don't want to miss the 77 wabc clip of the day 940 this morning peerless spoilers sids a take trivia game probably do something a little saint patrick's day themed and uh kicking things off this morning 705 the boss john katsimatidis 740 this morning former congressman peter king 725 joe tacopina right 725 joe tacopina thank you sydney so you add that in 740 this morning former congressman peter king 805 this morning bill donahue and eight. Some nuggets with Gnome Layden, 840 this morning. Lara Trump and 905 this morning from TMZ, Harvey Levins. We're ready to go, Gnome. All right. Out of here we Harvey are. Harvey Levin. It's not Mark Levin. It's Harvey Levin. And who the hell is Bill Donahue? Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> yeah, that, too. I mean, what a... Nice shot. That, 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 that's how you spell it. That's how you spell it. D O N O H. Donna Hugh. Donna Hugh. Donna Hugh. God. Ah, my. Gee, I mean, my. It's Friday. 